Welcome back to the 58th ever episode of the Iced Coffee Hour podcast. My name's George, and so far, the podcast has made $69,435. <laughs> he says 69. That's incredible. That is incredible. That, I think that was the best one we've ever seen on the podcast. Are you serious, really? I am not joking at all. I, think I felt it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm serious. And Thank by you. the way, Thank you. we are so close to 69,420. No, are we really? 69,435. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well done. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on, George. Always. Thanks for having me. This has been really exciting because I kid you not, I have watched your channel for, honestly, since you were probably 10,000-ish subscribers. And right now your channel is approaching 900,000 subscribers where you talk about aquarium fish, uh, reef keeping, saltwater aquarium husbandry, and you travel the world just showcasing some of the most exotic, expensive fish and coral out there. How did you start doing this? Because I found your channel in a college dorm room, and you had like a little nano tank with a clownfish and an anemone in there, right? Yeah, so this hobby started for me in actually middle school, I believe. So I was 10 years old, and um, I just really wanted a fish tank. And my mom took me to... Uh, a fish store and she's like you know these fish are all freshwater but i think you should do saltwater and that was really interesting because most people don't even know the difference between freshwater saltwater aquariums uh you know they just go to their local petco or something and pick something up so we went to a saltwater fish store i got my first 12 gallon uh reef tank which is saltwater which means you get to keep things like corals uh much more like exotic fish and different invertebrates and so then basically what happened was i got really addicted to like keeping uh the coral you know that was sort of what hooked me into the hobby because i just found it so fascinating the way coral grows uh if you can grow it you can cut it and then you can sell it uh to other hobbyists and you can actually make a good amount of money doing it as you saw from uh as you've seen now being in the hobby yourself yeah how much corals go for so that like really piqued my entrepreneur minded you know young george uh, and that's kind of what got the ball rolling for me to just sort of like dive really deep into the yeah. world of aquariums. It's weird that a parent would tell their child, let's go salt water. It's bizarre. Cause, cause, it's like the yeah. most. Yeah. My mom is, I mean, totally crazy for doing that. You know, it's very, it's a very expensive <laughs> hobby. Yeah. Most parents, you know, they just want to get their kid the quick gold and fish. easy thing. Yeah. The goldfish. Yeah. The beta fish. My mom was like, we're going to get you like the baller, like best, coolest thing you can possibly do. And it's crazy because if she hadn't done that, like I, I always wonder if she had, if I got into freshwater, who knows, maybe I would have just, you know, phased out of it after a few months yeah. or gotten bored. Why was that? Was she, is she like a total fanatic for the saltwater aquarium? Maybe yeah. she just has a lot of money. Is that, more that, money and she's that's just like, how do, I, how do I get rid of it as fast as possible? <laughs> <laughs> oh, here's the saltwater aquarium. Let's bring that out. No, my dad what, definitely was... I don't think he under, quite understood the hobby or what was going on at the time. Um, yeah, but my mom's just like amazing for that reason. Like she always just has always encouraged us to do, to just like go all out and go f- to be the best at whatever we try to do. Um, and I didn't learn this until like many years later, but my mom actually kept saltwater aquariums with her dad, my grandpa growing that up. Was it. Yeah, that was it. So what's interesting though, is back when she was keeping them, they could only have saltwater fish. Like, the technology wasn't around to keep coral alive. So it was actually kind of a new thing for her too to like walk back into a saltwater aquarium store and be like, wait, you can keep coral now. And so, yeah, I mean, that was, that's really why. So what was your first tank? My first tank was, um, it was called the 12 gallon nano cube. And that's where my name coral fish 12 G comes from. 12 gallons. I wonder about that. Okay. Yeah. And, um, 
it's interesting with aquariums, you'd think that the smaller they are, the easier they keep, but it's actually the opposite. So the smaller the reef aquarium, the harder it is to take care of because the chemicals, um, you have less uh, room for error, right? Because you only have such a small water volume. It's like if you were to take a drop of poison and like put it in there, there's no room for free. Like it's going to kill everything. Yeah. Versus if you were to take a drop of poison and like throw it in the ocean, it won't even notice. Right? Got it. So the bigger the aquarium, actually the easier. So it was very challenging and I failed in so many different ways. Like I went through all the pests. I went through uh, pretty much every problem you can imagine as a young kid too. Um, and then after about two years of that, I find and killing a decent amount of coral. And I figured out how to keep coral alive and how to get my tank just to look amazing and then that's when I took to YouTube to teach other people how to not make the same mistakes I made. Yeah. What made you post YouTube videos? Oh, how old were you? Did, this was freshman year. No, with, this was middle school. Even like I think you're posting YouTube videos in middle school. I was. Yeah, really? I've been doing this a long. Yes, I, I started my channel in 2010. I remember. Well, I didn't know that. Wow. Yeah, but I think I, I think I posted probably my first video in like 2011 or 2012. And at first, it was just videos of my fish tank. Cause I just wanted to see what people thought of them. And that's sort of what YouTube was back then. It was just yeah. like a place where you like put stuff to see like what happened. Um, then I saw there were like other people teaching about aquariums and I looked up to them and then that inspired me to like, you know, start giving my advice and my you know, two cents on everything in the hobby. Yeah. So, I remember when I was in middle school, I had an aquarium and you would think that it's like this nerdy hobby but anytime someone would come over, it was like, whoa, look at the, look at the fish. And everyone was enamored by it. Everyone loved it. Yeah. It was, um, it was sort of interesting for me because I also played basketball growing up, actually into college even. So I, I played college basketball as well. And so my whole life, it, this happened was more in high school where I realized, I started thinking like, hey, maybe I should like give up this aquarium thing. Cause I was like the, the you know, starting point guard varsity basketball team supposed to be like this jock right mm -hmm. then i had this like weird side hobby of keeping like super nerdy saltwater aquariums and like no one knew about it in high school so you didn't share it with people no i didn't Why? were you embarrassed of it yeah i mean like you guys have to remember like youtube back then was not cool it was it just wasn't what it is today That's like true. you know now yeah. everybody wants to be a youtuber like I, I think i remember seeing that the number one sought after job by kids yeah. is youtuber but back then it was it was not cool especially not aquariums at least I, I didn't think so and so i mean i i told like a few of my closest friends knew about it but most people did not know did you have a following at that time i had maybe in high school so what happened was right around high school i think i had like a couple thousand subscribers um and i remember thinking like you know the, what if people see this what's going to happen uh, you know is, i thought the gonna, same thing if people are people are going to start making fun of me and stuff and so I considered stopping it. But then what actually kept me in it was I started receiving checks from YouTube. I was receiving like a couple hundred bucks a month. That's and pretty good. For that's a high schooler, that's really like... Really good. For a high schooler, Posting yeah. Posting YouTube videos, yeah. Yeah, so I was like, hey, well, if anyone makes fun of me for this, I'm just going to tell them uh, to go kick rocks because I'm making money from it. Yeah. So I was gonna, that was going to be like my way of justifying it. <laughs> yeah. And then I also started, like companies started reaching out even back like that early and they were sending me free product and that was epic for me as a young kid because I, again, yeah. aquarium is very expensive. And so like receiving free lights and free equipment was really cool. So, um, yeah, then what happened was I went to, off to college, kind of a clean slate. Uh, I committed to go play basketball at a very small school called Lawrence university in oh. Appleton, Wisconsin, which is about three hours North of where I grew up in Chicago. 
and uh, I had t- I remember I had ten thousand subscribers my freshman year of college, and my best friends were actually baseball players. Yeah, and it wasn't until the end of the year that like the way my best friend uh, found out was I had accidentally left one of my business cards. Like it just was like laying out in the hallway or something. How like embarrassing. Just, well, I don't know. I was I didn't know what was going to happen, but basically he texted me a photo of the card and he's like what is this and i was like oh man everyone's about to know about this oh within a week gosh. everyone at the college knew that i was you know and how was it was it as bad as you thought no it, it wasn't it wasn't actually a lot of people thought it was really cool um and even my best friends were like dude this is epic like why didn't you tell us about yeah. this like this is sick you got ten thousand subscribers like um so that felt good but um and, and, you know, it encouraged me to keep doing it. I also had I brought my fish tanks or my fish tank to college. Uh, my freshman year, I only had one. By my senior year, I had 15. In 15 my, tanks? My dorm room, yeah. I had almost 15, I think 13 or 14 fish tanks in my dorm room. And I had, like, all the most exotic animals. So it was like you would walk into my dorm room and it was a public like aquarium. A zoo. Yeah, it was like a zoo. You had, like, seahorses, clownfish, mantis shrimp, like, planted tank, um just like all sorts of exotic stuff. That's cool. I was the same way. I didn't tell anyone about my YouTube channel at all. It's a scary it's feeling. On, yeah. Still on Facebook. I've never posted about the YouTube channel. Oh, I've never told my yeah. friends about my YouTube channel. Yeah. They found out. Yeah. 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 Over time they found out, but I, it, it made me more worried knowing that like my friends were watching mm-hmm. and I would feel like I'd hold myself back because I knew like, Oh, they're watching me. What do I, what if I say something bad? Yeah. I but mean, everyone's so supportive. At least for me. I mean, if you weren't into aquariums, you might just be like, Oh, it's cool. And yeah. then just kind of brush it off. So I had that advantage. Yours is a little bit more personal. Right. So yeah. But be. when you were making these videos, how many other people were making reef aquarium videos? Were you one of the first ones? But first, I want to thank our sponsor, Ladder. I want to talk for a minute about things that have fundamentally changed the way we live. These are disruptors, things like smartphones, streaming services, whiter than white paint that actually cools down buildings, electric vehicles, and even YouTube. Another one I heard of recently is a company called Ladder, who basically took the life insurance industry, flipped it upside down, and shook out the inefficiencies. Before Ladder, if you wanted to get life insurance, you'd have to drive across town, sit through a sales pitch, fill out a ton of paperwork, and then wait six to eight weeks to find out if you've been approved. You'd also receive a zillion phone calls from agents trying to bundle your life insurance with other things like car insurance. Now with Ladder, you can get fast, affordable term life insurance without leaving home. It's 100% digital when you apply for $3 million or less in coverage, no doctors, no needles, no paperwork. So if you're between the ages of 20 to 60, need coverage, and want to team up with a company that's redeeming life insurance, choose Ladder. I know that when I went through the process of getting quotes through Ladder, it was so fast and easy, and I didn't need to dig out a bunch of old paperwork. Go to ladderlife.com slash iced coffee today to see if you're instantly approved. That's L-A-D-D-E-R life.com slash iced coffee. Ladderlife.com slash iced coffee. Thank you so much, Ladder, for sponsoring this episode and back to the podcast. I, you know, I think a lot of people in my industry, or at least in the YouTube, you know, aquarium YouTubes, that would definitely, I would consider myself one of those OG aquarium YouTubers. Um, I wasn't the first to it by any means, but I was in it very early on. Mm. Um, and and uh, yeah, I mean, eventually, so every year of college, it, my channel grew, it actually doubled. So freshman year, 10,000, sophomore year, 25, junior year, 50. And then my senior year, I got to a hundred actually ended up surpassing hundred. But, um, 
Yeah. And, and just basically what happened was like, I never, because I was playing college basketball, that was my focus all throughout middle school, uh, high school was like, how do I play college basketball? So I was very, very uh, driven and focused on that first. And then the aquariums and YouTube was sort of like a side hobby. Um, and, and it was just like a, some side income uh, that I didn't really start taking it seriously until probably my junior, senior year of college. Uh, when, you know, a lot of companies started noticing and they started flying me out to aquarium conventions uh, to do marketing. And um, and then it wasn't really until, and I always wanted to do YouTube full time. Like I always thought like you, you know, being a YouTuber would be like the coolest thing. I, I think I would have even back then as a young kid considered it my dream mm-hmm. job. It's just, I never thought that it could be a, a full-time income, like a full-time job. I think there's a big misconception with a lot of small YouTube creators where they just don't, they don't realize that how close they are, how, how achievable it is to make YouTube a full-time job. You know, they think like, I remember thinking, oh, those big YouTubers, like, you know, the ones with over a million or 5 million, like somehow they can, you know, they're making a lot of money from it. But I I didn't realize at the time that other creators with 50 or even only a hundred thousand subscribers, even sometimes with like 10, 25,000 subscribers can, you know, through affiliates or through brand deals or through just like dominating their niche, earn a full-time living. So it wasn't until my senior year when um, like another aquarium YouTuber actually messaged me a, uh, and this was like, yeah. So like this it? like literally rewired my was? brain. Yeah. Um, Nah, no, I, I can't. But it was it was an aquarium YouTuber who uh, was making like, I think he sent me a because I, I had my first viral video my senior year. And mm-hmm. then I started getting like a lot of attention. And a lot of other creators were like bigger creators were reaching out. And, you know, I was, I was starting to like meet them and, and talk to them and stuff. He's like, why aren't you doing this full time? I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I can't I don't I can't make enough money to do this whole time. I can't even go to my parents and tell I wouldn't even dare go to my parents and say like I could do this because it just wouldn't be enough because uh, at that time I was making like most of throughout most of college I was making about a thousand dollars a month so I was like twelve thousand a year like I can't do that yeah but then after my first viral video it clicked like my senior year I had my first viral video which was don't uh don't buy f- live fish off the dark web and that got five million views why why shouldn't you buy fish off the dark web I don't know you gotta watch Graham <laughs> But you have to explain it because now we have an entire audience that's going to click out of this video. Go watch that. And thank you for putting this title card right here into the video. No, we don't use title. It's bad for the algorithm. Uh, is it yeah. actually? Yeah, it is. Because very few people ever click out of a title card. Think of it. I mean, if you're it's watching true. a video. It's true. It's have, true. You, have you ever, when they say, oh, yeah, middle of the video, peak suspense, click the title card, go watch another video. It works against you because that's a click against the out. Like any any option that people don't follow through counts against you mm. the algorithm all right so we're throwing the link in the description everyone go check it out watch, in the description that you could watch later yeah, we, yeah so the idea know. was yeah, yeah. the idea was um you know how how can i and this is also what was like a, a turning per- point for my channel was how do i get more people interested in aquariums like how do i get me main, the mainstream interested in learning about aquariums fish or you know conservation with marine animal, different marine animals which that ended up that's you know a later part of what i do but um and i realized okay i really need these viral ideas where um so i thought okay what's the scariest fish you could possibly unbox like what's the scariest fish you guys could the angler 
Well, yeah, you're a reef. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Jack, what about you? What's like, like the scariest what, fish? Scary in what, what regard? What would like, you not want to be in the water with? A great white shark. Or? A tiger shark. Or besides sharks. Stingray. Yeah, I, I wouldn't want it. Jellyfish, maybe. Amazon. Think about it. Amazon. Prana. Uh, prana. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't want to be in the water with prana. There's this big misconception yeah. of pranas because of movies and even sharks, too. Yeah. Um, and I've made a lot of videos about sharks and and uh, with the same logic that, you know, the movies, the media make sharks, piranhas, a lot of these animals out to be like villains, very scary. When really, like, piranhas are so timid and shy. Very, very, like... But they're like coyotes. We're like, one is timid and shy, but then when you have a pack of them, if they just go crazy. smell blood in the water? Yeah, yeah. I've seen if those things hungry, where it's, yeah. Yes, but if you keep them in your aquariums, like, they're more scared of you than you are them. I've seen some where they put, like, a fish in a piranha tank, like a little, like, half-eaten fish, and they mm-hmm. just rip this thing apart. It's It's nuts. Yes, but if you put, like, a whole human hand in the tank... They're very like they're more likely to go hide because you're like a bigger animal than they are unless they're in like a massive swarm in the Amazon. But regardless, that the video was basically unboxing piranhas and teaching people how to take care of them in their aquariums, all about them, the misconceptions. Um, and they are like, I mean, they're not not um, they are dangerous animals like you wouldn't want to, like you guys said, be in the Amazon River swimming with mm-hmm. piranhas. But I've also heard from a lot of people that they've walked like through like prana infested waters, like no problem. So, I mean, it goes both ways, but, um, yeah, after my first viral video and I saw how many views I got, I saw how much I got paid for it. How much you get paid for it? I think I got like, uh, at least that first month I got like five, $6,000, okay. which for a college well, five, student, yeah, you're like 5 million views, you're like ready okay. to go to the casino, man. You're right. just like, you're rich. So, um, and I was like, oh, okay, this is what people want to watch. This is why people watch this. And this is how much you make when you nail it, right? When you hit it on the head and you go viral. And so, and then since then, I've just been able to sort of recreate that viral formula. And um, I've been able to just have lots of viral videos since I graduated college, which was two years ago. And I've been able to turn it into a full-time you know, living, which I never thought I could do. What's your formula for a viral video? I'm curious from your perspective because um, you've had some videos just go nuts. Yeah, I have. And like for me, it's all about, um, I think there is a golden rule to going viral. You know, there's a, there's a lot of people who think, I think if you ask the average person, they'd say, Oh, viral, you know, I just, you threw a video of your dog up on Facebook and it it went viral. Like, no, I think there's a very, like, there's a, there's a formula to viral. I think there's a golden rule. And the golden rule is that you need to make people feel an emotion. You need to make people feel like happy, scared, anxious something something to the point where they take that piece of content and then they share it because as humans like it's built into our dna like when you feel something really intense a powerful emotion like what do you want to do you want others to feel that same way like when you watch something funny you want to share it so that you know your friend or your your husband or wife or whatever you know feels that as well so i think that's just like um i think that's what viral is is when you can really get someone's like emotions uh to, to change and you can kind of like impact the way that they're they're feeling you know because then they'll share it and then um and so i think it, that's a very powerful thing so for you what does that look like because 
I've, but first, I want to thank our sponsor, Surfshark. Nowadays, more than ever, we are spending so much time online. For me, I just love to watch YouTube videos, check the price of whatever coin the internet seems to be going on about, and see what Papa Elon is sharing on his Twitter. And trust me, the internet knows a lot about us, and that is exactly why we should care about our online data. That's where Surfshark comes in. Surfshark is a VPN that encrypts your data when you're browsing online so that no one else can see your personal information. And since they keep no logs, not even Surfshark can see what you've been up to online. I also love using Surfshark for streaming. Let's say I wanted to watch Rick and Morty on Netflix. Well, you see, in the United States, it's actually not available. But if I use Surfshark to change my location to the United Kingdom, I'm now able to watch Rick and Morty wherever I go. This means you can also change your location to other countries on your favorite streaming sites and see a whole new list of shows to choose from. Get started today by clicking the link in the description and use the code ICEDCOFFEE for 83% off and three extra months for free. And if you don't love it for any reason, there's a 30-day money-back guarantee. Again, just click the link in the description and use the code iced coffee to get three months for free. Thank you so much Surfshark for sponsoring this episode and back to the podcast. The, my favorite video from you was a stingray one. It was a st- the stingray breeder in Singapore. In Singapore. Yeah. That didn't make me fa- I mean I was more explain, curious. Explain the, the plot of the video. You want to explain it? Or you want me to explain it from a viewer's perspective? Yeah why don't you explain you it? You went to this it looks like this guy's house and we should throw by the way Alex let's throw some like b-roll over top of it. We went to this guy's house or you, we went to. I say, that, was I say this is if I was there. <laughs> I may as well have been. You filmed first person. Oh, no, no. You, did you film first person? It's, it's so funny you say that because yeah. I very intentionally try to make my videos feel like the viewer is there, like taking the tour with me. Yeah. I use different like angles and different like lenses to give the viewer that feeling like they're walking around and looking at it. So yeah. That's cool. But um, was there someone that I don't remember? Yeah, I had my, uh, my okay. cameraman Asher who's traveled with me to like. Okay quite a few countries so anyway so it looked like it was first person but you were walking through this dude who is so passionate about stingrays and what's cool about these stingrays is that they were like five thousand no two to three thousand dollars on the low end for like a little stingray all the way up to like twenty twenty five thirty thousand dollars for a stingray they had like stingrays with different spots on them and like white ones and black ones and cool patterns and one looks like a question mark on it. it's really cool stuff but every square inch of this guy's spot was a stingray like you're walking on the floor over stingrays the whole wall is a stingray there's a stingray like above you it was nuts and every single stingray he must have had like a million two million dollars worth of stingrays that he just breeds and it was one of these things it's like every moment he says something it's like what this is crazy a million to two million dollars worth of stingrays yeah is the value in an expensive stingray because like you can sell it and people can enjoy it or because you can breed it like a horse and you can like you can get, it's both it's both it's both yeah like um but it, it's more i mean the economic on the economic side it's definitely because you can breed it and once you have it you know you can yeah it's like a horse in that sense yeah but um yeah i mean it it's crazy that's just like there's so many different facets to aquariums there's so many different animals and um it's not entirely like I've, I've sort of gotten used to it now like where there's a there's a stingray guy there's a flower horn guy which is a different type of fish mm. there's clownfish guys like and they transform their entire homes to be these like insane breeding facilities um and that that's the cool thing about um you know, when you kind of travel overseas is a lot of those people like that's their livelihood. Right. And so they are just like doing it out of their homes and like converting. I, I was once when I was in Thailand, uh, a guy converted an entire residential apartment building into like a flower horn fish. It's a type of fish uh, like breeding 
like place. And you literally yeah. five floors and every floor I just was like, do you have footage of that? I do. I have a whole video on it. Um, Alex, how please. much? Yeah, yeah. How much is this guy making? Because the Stingray guy, by the way, you go up to this unassuming building. Like, you would have no idea. The gate opens up. There's a brand new BMW i8 just sitting there. <laughs> and this dude pulls out, shows you the Stingrays. Like, he's he's probably making, especially for that area, making bank. And he ships all over the world, yeah. How, yeah. How much does a flower horn guy explain explain the flower horn you know it's 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 different like animal to animal um but what's kind of funny in, uh, and interesting the stingray guy so what he does as a full-time job is he actually uh mo- like does car like mo- uh, i don't know how to describe modifications, it modifications right, on yeah. car like really yeah. high-end custom mods because yeah. in singapore I mean, even to own a car in Singapore is just like, yeah, just the taxes for yeah. like a, a really cheap Honda Civic. The luxury or, tax. Yeah, it's 50%. insane. It's not, yeah, triple so, the cost of the car. So he does that full time. And I asked him like, well, what do you make more money from? Like the cars or the Stingrays? He's like the Stingrays. And the Stingrays is just like a side thing. Why does he do Stingray full time? I don't know. I was like, why don't you just like open up like a whole breeding right. facility? I, I, I'm not sure. Um, but he, I, I think maybe he just really likes the stability in the cars. What's some of the craziest stuff that you've seen overseas in terms of the business aspect of, of this? Like the Stingrays, that's incredible. The Flower Horns, I would imagine that's, I, I haven't seen that video, but would be even crazier than that. Like what else have you seen? Um, I've seen like some markets, some like wholesale markets where in Asia, like on certain days of the week, they'll basically... Um, like the there was one called the Chatu Chak market in Thailand in Bangkok, where just like hundreds of vendors, like farmers, like individual breeders, like the stinger guy clownfish, they'll show up. They'll basically like sit on the floor of like a parking lot, and and just like have fish out on display for people to come pick up. But then a lot of those people are like exporters that sometimes export them to the United States or other countries. Um, sometimes they're just like fish stores. But like um, I've been in some markets that are like. They go for acres. Like we're talking about like acres and acres of just like f- the most exotic fish, some of which, many of which are even illegal in the United States to keep, uh, which makes it so much more interesting for my American viewers is to see fish like arowanas, which um, are... are they, why are those? Because uh, I used to see those in fish stores. Graham, I'm surprised you don't have an arowana. That's a, that's a fish that I could... Cool fish. It is a very cool fish. But I would have to have an, an arowana tank. Now Macy wants a clownfish tank. Does she? Yeah. Yeah, clownfish... Uh, that's, she wants a clownfish it's the tank, entry point yeah. for a lot of people in yeah. the hobby are clownfish but um arowana so the arowana fish is also known as the dragon fish and in asia it's like a sign of wealth and fortune and like prestige oh we gotta get one it's dude they i don't you gotta flash a photo of them they're yeah, they're so cool, looking fish. cool yeah and um they're big they're shiny and um they're actually they became so like popular that people they basically like fished them out of ex- to extinction i didn't know this and yeah so they're they're cons- they're i think the reason that they're illegal in the united states asian arowana uh is because they're on like the cites two or three list considered endangered so you're not you're not allowed to have them here in canada you can have them mm. um but yeah so like seeing those fish and those fish can go for um hundreds of thousands of dollars you know i've seen arowana fish where they're like yeah this one's like 50k 80k 100k so like um I was just my most recent trip uh, was Japan, and there they're crazy over koi. So koi uh, fish, which most people here just go to like their botanical gardens and see swimming, and they're like it's a koi fish. Over in uh, Japan, that fish is like 
again, another just massive symbol of like uh, good luck. And so there was a koi fish in 2018 that sold for $1.8 million. It was the most expensive fish ever sold. Um, why, why was that fish so expensive? It was like, so they do these koi uh, competitions uh, and they do this for every fish, um, up, you know, f- f- clownfish, flower horn, and we, um, all, all the different fish, they have competitions for them to see, you know, cause the breeders want to know like who, whose fish are the best. And that also will di- help dictate the price on a certain fish. Wow. So, um, <clears throat> but like koi fish, there's so many different breeders they enter these competitions and this fish, I think, it, uh, it, one grand champion, like two or three years in a row. And it was just like massive it was gargantuan it was like i think like i think it was like two three feet i mean at that so point the size it looks like a little important. pig yeah it was like the size of like a small pig uh so the size the body shape the coloration the pattern the colors because um all all those things have to do with like the perfect koi and um believe it or not the guy who bought it the fish ended up dying a year i think a year later no why it just i don't know it just I don't, I don't, I don't think there's a lot it. of information on that. I don't know why this is worth so much. That's the fish. It's, no. so, it's so beautiful. Yeah. So right, it's that just looks good to me, man. <laughs> Jack's like, I want one. I mean, it yeah. looks good, but, but I like, if I saw that, I wouldn't think that's like the most expensive. Yeah. In show. I wouldn't think that's the best in show. Screenshot that. So yeah. the reason that one, uh, there's actually a few different types, but the red and white varieties are worth, are, are like considered the best, uh, the, and worth the most because red and white, it's like the the colors on the Japanese flag. Even yeah, they're just like those are the colors that they they value. Um, Wait, so so when you say it died, you, we're talking about the the fish. The fish died. Yeah. All right. For a second, I thought we were talking about the owner. The owner. Um, You're like, who gets the fish? No. Wow. <laughs> I mean, the fish is big. Yeah, it's a, it's a massive the fish, fish. Is big. Yeah, fish. I mean it's it's a good looking koi fish. Like I've seen koi fish before, like at the local Chinese restaurant or something like that. That looks like a nice koi fish, but I, I don't know if I would say that's like a two million dollar. Wow. To the average person, you know, they you wouldn't know. Um, yeah, you wouldn't. But to so many people who are like dedicated their lives to these subsections of the hobby, yeah, it's like everything to them. Yeah. Now the the fish died. Do, do you know why the fish? Is it? Do, do they have a life? Koi could live a long time, right? So, yeah. So nine, it was nine years old when it was sold. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a lot of information on why exactly it died. I don't I don't know. Maybe the owner didn't want to reveal that or something. I'm not sure. At least to my knowledge, I don't know. But um, I, I will tell you, like, a lot of fish have pretty long lifespans. I mean, koi fish can live, like, 20 to 30 years yeah. on average. Um, there's, like, l- there's legend rumors that there's a koi fish that has lived to be, like, a few hundred years old. That's not typical. But even like um, a lot of marine fish, like a lot of the fish you have, I know Macy was asking yesterday or the other day, um, and they were really surprised by the lifespan of like a clownfish. I mean, clownfish mm-hmm. live 15 to 20 years. I didn't know that. Yeah, even in a oh. in your aquarium, I know a lot of different hobbyists who have been able to keep a clownfish for 15, 20 years. So, yeah. Wow. They have longer lifespans than I think a lot of people think. I think that's because most people get the goldfish that will get sick yeah. and die yeah. within like a few yeah. days or six months or something. But when you buy a $1.8 million fish, do you buy it with, you must buy it with the intention of breeding it, right? Because otherwise, let's say you buy it 1.8 million. You it's only got like, let's say five to 10 years with the fish. Probably let's say 10 years, $180,000 a year to own the fish. Yeah. I think it's just a flex. Like I think all it is. I think the same way Elon yeah, Musk, had like so much money. Yeah. I think the same way Elon Musk wow. will just blow, you know, 
crazy amount of money on something to flat. I mean, that's just what he did. Have you ever got bit by a fish? Um, and you like bled? No, it's funny now. You guys are gonna be like, I told you so, but my dad got bit by one of my piranhas. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the one that's the, that you right. say is safe. It, it was, was an because, accident, right? It, it the was piranha didn't mean to. And that's that's. It just thought his hand was food, right? And you're actually right. That's exactly what it was. My dad, just the way he feeds them, was just like leaving his fingers in there, yeah, super like yeah, holding like on to the food. Worm, it's like yeah. if you play with fire, you're gonna get burned. So I mean, that was that was, but. Uh, I personally have never gotten like stung or bitten by anything crazy. And I hope not to because, hmm. yeah, but most of the time it's on accident. I mean, that's, that's something else. Like, so when I was in Asia, one of the biggest projects that I did was um, like a, a couple videos on sharks and what's happening to sharks right now, because each year over a, near a hundred million sharks are killed. hundred million? A hundred million. Is that for the fin, fin, the fin soup? For shark fin How soup. How are that many sharks? A hundred million? How is that possible? And I thought the same yeah. thing. I was like, that must just be like grossly inflated. Yeah. But the, when you think about China and their population, it's like, and then you take like a food that we have here in America and you... Like hamburgers. Right. Yeah. yeah. And for them, shark fin soup was just like for the longest. It, it's on the decline now with more awareness and stuff, but right. still like it's being sold. Dude, and, I saw this. Oh, sorry. Go for it. Uh, well, and yeah, I was just going to say like, it's, um, it's a much bigger issue than a lot of people think. How so. do you, oh yeah. I was just going to say, I saw this video. I remember like back in middle school where they like wrangled a bunch of dolphins. Oh, I can't. What, I can't. What's that? Yeah. Dude, yeah. that video was horrific. Oh. It was so so tragic. To yeah. watch that. I feel bad. I've seen some of those fishing videos where like they, they take up the fish. Yeah. There's have... like something that gets caught in there. Like n- nothing. It's not necessarily a dolphin, but it's something that, and it's just flopping. It's flopping on the deck and nobody's like, put it back in the water. It blows. It's just, it's so easy. Just, just do that. Just do that and the fish could live and they just, it, they just don't care. Yeah. I mean, it's for them, it's nuts. just considered, I mean, obviously it's their job, those fishermen, um, and it's, it's food for them. And, and that was something I learned over in Asia as well is like, we, you know, I, I did a whole, basically a whole video on the shark fishermen who, um, are, are collecting these sharks and it's like, well, they're just literally doing it to provide for their family. It's like, that's all they have. But- but so. isn't there isn't there are there other foods that you could eat besides shark or is it just like that's that's easy to catch or well, what they get money for it because in in China shark fin soup is like a delicacy mm, it's a luxury it. so they yeah. get like a premium for catching a shark versus a fish so they're like encouraged to kill sharks it's the same thing for the meat market here you know for for meat production it's like you just like people like eating steaks that's why yeah. we keep making it yeah you know? but at least yeah. with with steak i mean the the cows are um, and that's a whole nother thing, but they're, they're farm raised, right? Like they're, oh. they're born to be, to be consumed. Oh, true. Like yeah. the sharks in the ocean, it's not, it's not like that. And something interesting too is like sharks, a lot of different sharks, sometimes they won't be ready to have babies. Like they won't be ready to breed for mm. 10, 15, until they're like 10, 15 years old. Yeah. So if you kill too many sharks before they reach that age, like you really like, they, I mean, they say that sharks won't be around in. 50 years it's, wow yeah just be, due to the crazy overfishing of of them and there's a lot of there's a lot of marine life like that though there really is what are the other sides of uh the aquarium world like this that you could tell us that might not might paint a worse picture like like the, the sharks are importing illegal fish and coral yeah what could we at least bring awareness to so that now more people know that this is happening i mean i'd say first and foremost 
the some of those like bigger marine species like sharks and um and, and, and whales and all, all sorts of those those bigger marine life because you know they are the top of the food chain and so if you take the apex predator away which is the shark i mean the whole, everything underneath just just like starts just going um but for me like one of the things with the uh with the hobby is that i've been really excited to see is um aquariums is is an amazing hobby and yeah there are a lot of fish that are imported um from from different places in the world but um there's also like a massive effort right now um it's not an effort it's it's happening of captive breeding fish for aquariums so like all throughout the united states and and as you saw with Mm -hmm. the stingray video people are breeding these animals and with the purpose of you know taking less from the ocean so that's amazing um and there's also um another i mean it's it there's a lot of um you've seen sort of the rise of a lot of environmentalists like just coming down and coming in on everything um and i feel like maybe the aquarium hobby has uh like felt that a little bit but uh there's just there are so many fish now being bred in captivity so it's a really positive thing and also coral too yeah people are farming you know plants for their aquariums coral for the aquariums um and, and it's it's a lot better for the fish too because then those fish and those animals are raised under you know uh, certain conditions that allow them to live healthier and happier and longer lives in aquariums yeah that's what i like like uh andrew sin city corals shout out link down below in the description but he's growing all this stuff in his huge like 600 gallon tank mm-hmm. just breaks off a little piece puts it in my tank and one day i could break off a piece for somebody else jack when you set up your reef tank i'll break off a little piece i'll give that to you thank you i'll give you a good price too so let's go back to your business right yeah. now. So you decided to give this a shot full time. How was that transition for you? Um, well, it was exciting. Um, you know, it was something that I never thought was going to be possible. Like I said, my junior year of college, even actually up until my senior year of college, I remember sitting in my dorm room thinking, this is never going to work. Like this would be my dream job, but I'm never going to be able to go to my parents and, and tell them I want to do this full time. And then after my viral video, you know, things changed. I was able to immediately like start understanding the whole algorithm, how that works, mm-hmm. you know, just the whole business side of it. And I picked up on it really fast. I think, you know, it was a combination of me also just maturing as a person, like finishing college. Right. And, um, and, and, you know, I've been doing YouTube a long time, but I was also like living my life and growing up and like doing all the normal kid things. So I wasn't like, intensely focused on how do I like crack this algorithm yeah. I was just like by sheer like not chance but by coincidence maybe like I was hitting a lot of different like good things for the algorithm mm-hmm. and like how to do it like I like my thumbnails and stuff like we're pretty good and like sometimes I have videos that would blow up um you know a couple like a couple hundred thousand views but once I was able to like get a bunch of other youtubers to like show me how much they were making and like why they were making that. And for me to realize, okay, you need a lot of views. Like you need volume, right. To get, you know, for, for all these, like the little, the money to, to add up. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when, you know, I, I just like put it all together and I was like, okay, I can do this. What did you, Oh wait, what did you want to do? Originally? Um, well, my original plan, college, yeah. yeah, my original plan, like from high school is I, I mean, I really wanted to play professional basketball, not in the NBA, like overseas. So, my dad uh, is from Greece, and so like 
you know, a dream of mine was to like go play in Greece for a couple of years and be by like some of my family out there and just like learn the language more mm-hmm. and just like, just, you know, enjoy that. But college basketball, I mean, it was, it was great. It was fun, but you know, by year four, just all sports in general, they're very political. I gotten very burnt out of that and just, mm-hmm. um, and I, I was, I, I accepted the opportunity to YouTube very happily. You know, it was like, wow, okay, this is something very exciting. And also it was happening so fast that I didn't want to like miss it. You know, my channel went from like 60,000 to like 160,000 in a month or two. Mm-hmm. And so I, and I think momentum is one of the most important things. So I wanted to capitalize on that momentum. And, you know, basically about a month before I uh, graduated, I uh, hired my first uh, editor, cameraman. And just and went got straight to work basically. How much were you making at the time that you graduated college? Um, like what was my final like AdSense like month? Yeah, yeah. Of college, I think I was probably somewhere like in the like six, six thousand, seven thousand. So if you're making six to seven thousand dollars a month, I mean, I'm sure telling your parents that you wanted to do that full time out of college, it wasn't like a very difficult conversation. No, it wasn't. It was definitely like you know they can see the number and say hey, this is very like, you know, and, and they knew that that's what I wanted to do. I have the, just the most supportive parents, mm-hmm. even from, as you know, like my mom going with the saltwater crime from the beginning, like they just, they, they, they knew that's what I wanted to do. And, um, and they were just like very happy to see me mm-hmm. like doing it and also being able to earn good money doing it. I think my parents would have been okay with me, like going out on a limb and trying to, you know, whatever I would want to do in my life. If I made no money from in the beginning, like I have the type of parents that would encourage me to still go for it if that's what I was passionate about. Um, so I'm really lucky for that. Um, but also, like one thing that I didn't mention was Aquashella, and that start we we started Aquashella Aquarium Festival my junior year of college, and um, you got to explain what Aquashella is. Yeah. Okay. So this is an interesting story. So basically, throughout college, I was like getting paid to go to different aquarium conventions to do like their media, to do advertising for them. And I, you know, after about two or three of them, it just sort of got like boring to me. And I thought, hey, there's got to be like a better way than like this old traditional convention, right? So um, my friend and I, we saw, there was, there was actually an aquarium event that that year, for whatever reason, it was like, I think it was mismanaged or something, decided to leave Chicago. Chicago being my home, hometown, I thought there's a massive opportunity here, right? Like they've been doing this event for five, six years. There's, they've obviously built up this market. I'm not, don't know why they're leaving, but Hey, like, why don't we capitalize this? So, um, now my business partner, but, um, my good friend at the time, his name's Sean Hale. So he works as a, a manufacturer in the industry. And because he had been attending all these events as a manufacturer, who, you know, bu- buying sponsorships to the events, buying booths to the event, he had that side of the industry on lockdown he had lots of experience in that world um and he's a lot older than i am actually so he's 36 so he just been in business for a long time and had a lot of also good experience and just all you know corporate Mm -hmm. uh and other facets of business but we started this event my junior year we're like okay we, we we need a name so i was like we need some really cool name and coachella was happening around that time naturally i was like why don't we do like aquachella now now i get the name that's a good name aquachella. you didn't get it before no so this is what happened yeah but you might not have gotten it because what happened was about a month or two in i'm thinking cello 
cello, like a like a the, cello, like a like yeah. a musical instrument, like a cello. Oh. I don't know. A month or two in, we actually got a cease and desist from from Coachella saying like we have a cello trademark. Are you serious? Yeah, and we but we had like used that first two months of marketing like blown yeah. up because Coachella was happening at that time and everyone was like Aquachella, like this is great. We got like ten thousand wow. uh, people on our Facebook page like right away, so it blew up like from the start. And with the marketing that I put behind it. Um, it just like, it, it was pretty close to like a what instant you do? success. What I do for the marketing? Yeah, no. What did you do afterwards? Did it give you a season? Is it, did you try to fight it at all? Oh, or it was like, all no. right. I'm... So we pivoted. We're like, no, we't we're not going to like fight this Could giant. We call it something else? Like, isn't there well, another way to spell cella? Well, we, so we pivoted. Put, put an A with like little, you know. <laughs> yeah. We pivoted to, we pivoted to Aquashella, which actually ended up being, I think, yeah, a that's better actually name. Better, yeah. 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 So sort of a blessing. But, yeah, and we had gotten the marketing from Aquachella. So we changed it to Aquashell and basically for the next eight months, I was studying abroad at the time. So me and my business partner were on like different time zones, like big time. Mm-hmm. So I was staying up to like, I was supposed to be studying abroad, not playing basketball. That was like supposed to be my break. Like just being with my friends out there, like traveling Europe. Instead, I sat in my flat in London and just got to work. Mm-hmm. And I just started grinding every day on this event, Aquashella. And I, Everything I had learned up until that point, um, you know, I just started pouring into the marketing. I was up probably most nights, I'd say like the average was 6 a.m. Then I'd go to bed for like three hours. My classmates would like wake me up at 9 a.m. to go to class. I did that for like pretty much the entire two and a half month study abroad mm-hmm. term. And um, it was it was difficult, but I, I knew that I was building something that had like this massive potential. Um, so... Then my junior year, I finished, I finished the study abroad, went back home that summer. I just kept working on it with my business partner for like the next three months, all the way up until our first event, which was in September. Um, we did our first event. We had like three, I think it was like 3,500 people come almost 4,000 people attend the first one in Chicago. We, it was like, you guys seen fire festival, like the documentary you've seen it. Mm -hmm. Did you see it? No, it's a, it's a. It's a show, man. You gotta watch. You gotta watch. It just gets crazier okay. and crazier and crazier. Some of these things that, that they say, for, for those who are unaware, they they sold out this event claiming to be like the top event in the world. People were paying like five to $25,000 per ticket to go to the fire festival that was going to be on Pablo Escobar's old island. But it turned out to be a giant scam. They got there and they were like hurricane tents <laughs> instead of like, in, in, instead of like, you know, luxury campsites is like, Oh, and, and then what went viral? Someone posted on Twitter. It's supposed to be like this hand chef curated meal from like the best chef in the world. <laughs> and it was this picture of a styrofoam plate with two pieces of bread on it yeah. and like a piece of bologna and cheese. No, so they actually held it. <laughs> you shouldn't, shouldn't Dude, be laughing. It, it shouldn't bad. be laughing at this, but they get there and it's raining. Literally, it's raining. Yeah, and it's like it's all these chaos. like all these influencers like for, you know that paid exorbitant amounts of money yeah. to go there via these like cabanas and it's just like a hurricane and it's like chaos, nothing <laughs> set up and like basically the whole thing was just like being called, I felt called off. so bad because the locals were really like, this was big business for them because they don't get tourists. Yeah. And so to have, you know, hundreds of really wealthy people flying in there spending money, they were paid like, you know, millions of dollars to set up for this thing. And it turned out that they had worked really hard. They didn't get paid. I mean, it was horrible. Who threw it? 
Uh, what was his name? Uh, it was just some. It was some guy. Uh, it's probably better we not name. give him exposure. But anyway, this guy who's had a history of uh, uh, overpromising, underdelivering, taking money, shutting down businesses, getting investors all excited. Basically, he basically took all the money, spent it on himself, and then just whatever was left over tried tried to make this as best as he could. Yeah, he took like five million dollars and then like tried to use like fifty thousand to put on the event. It didn't work. Yeah, but um, so. That guy, yeah. that whole thing, that's exactly like I, I couldn't relate ever to anything more in my life. That's how setting up Aquashella felt. For really? Me. Yes. To that degree. Like to how, much, the, how much money you make? Um, you bought the Lamborghini and dude, I wish bought the gold Rolex. I wish. So I'm kidding. I'm it was, kidding, yeah. but it was, it was chaotic. Yeah. It was chaotic putting on events of this, of that magnitude for thousands of people. How many people were involved in it? Just you and me and Sean. We were like really that first event. It was just like us. Yeah. It's, you needed like 20 people on that. And we do, we do a lot now. Of things you, yeah. A lot of things you forget like parking. Oh yeah. Security. Food. Like all the little things that you would never even consider. Like who's going to check the tickets in the front? It's how many people do you need? Yeah, and so like we almost died, like yeah. just from like exhaustion and and just like stress. I think I think I must have aged like five years just mm-hmm. in those few months. But we put on the event. We like barely and like the event went well. Like mm-hmm. obviously there were the hiccups. It's like the first one, but we like just barely managed to like get out of it. Like and be okay and at the end of the day we didn't really walk home with much money like it was we didn't walk home with much money it was like we had a little bit of money left in the bank we had a lot of assets though Mm -hmm. to like the infrastructure for the facility like the whole set and everything and we had proven out this concept because it was like a very new thing all the all the industry the whole industry was like what is this going to be it's like is this a rave or is this an aquarium convention Mm -hmm. right they they didn't quite understand it um and so we were able to like prove the concept like hey this new way of teaching people about aquariums getting people interested um you know and and making it an event where like anyone could attend and they would just like love it they'd have a great time and just think it was like potentially like the most fascinating thing so that was like the whole idea behind it uh and aquashella basically is it's an aquarium convention but it's it, it incorporates elements of like a music or art festival and there's like this, there's a massive art installations, aquatic themed, like mm. with like UV uh, paint. So like under black light, everything's glowing. Yeah. And it's just like, it's a, it's a way to get a lot of people interested in the hobby. Um, the, a lot of the industry, they weren't sure about it, but all of the good deeds I had done for companies in the years previous, and also my business partner with, you know, same with him, it all came back. And in that moment, we were able to like cash in on all that good karma. A lot of people helped support that first one, but we didn't make a lot of money on it for the first one. So then my business partner was like, dude, we just worked eight months on this event unpaid and we still, and we didn't really make much like, I don't know what you want to do. And I was like, we, now that we have all of the assets that we have, the whole infrastructure, the set and everything, all we have to do is take this, pick it up, move it to a different city and run it there. And we should be, we should make money that this time. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you're crazy. You're telling me like after eight months and he works his own full-time job as a manufacturer. He's like, you want to, you want to do this again. That was absolute hell. And you're telling me you want to do it again for another six months. So yeah, let's do it in your hometown. And so he's from Dallas. So we did our second one in Dallas six months later. And that was my senior year of college. Keep in mind, I'm still playing college basketball while I'm working on my mm-hmm. YouTube channel, Aquashella, 
and um, and school. Yep. So, yeah, I mean, my senior year, it was we actually lined up the dates perfectly so that the event was going to happen over spring break. So I had off from school, and um, and we 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 did our second one in Dallas, and it went it just went crazy. Like we were on Good Morning Texas, we had like seven thousand people show up. Wow. People were like moms people were just coming up to me like crying like begging to get in we had sold out the fire marshal shut us down because we were like over capacity wow it was just like it, it was insane it was it was it was crazy and um and we did, did you have a whole team that time we and we had grown a little bit more of a mm-hmm. team we had some of the artists we had like some more staff we'd actually it's really interesting after our first one we had someone reach out they wanted to buy a franchise in new orleans they're like we want to do this in new orleans like will you sell us one uh, my business partner was like kind of entertaining. I was like, no. Can you say how much they offered? Uh, yeah, I think they wanted like, it was like 35K or 40K for it. But it's just the franchise and then just, you would get to keep a portion of the profits too. Yeah, right? I think there would have been like yeah. a royalty or something. Yeah. But I was like, hey, no, I don't trust anyone else to run this event right. the way we do. So we actually took that guy and we turned him into our, we brought him onto our team. He's actually one of our show managers now. Mm. And um, so that's been great. But yeah, we, we expanded our team. And, um, the Dallas one, um, I mean, the, the line was insane to try to get it. I mean, it was, it went on for so long and, uh, but we did make money and we, we made a good amount of money and how much everyone's how much we made like, yeah. mm, I'd say the, that first aqua shallow, we made like, mm, like almost a hundred thousand wow. split between you and your, yeah, almost a hundred thousand. But, and and that's that's including the assets that you including the assets which okay. and we had actually built up even more assets because wow. we had like built onto this set even more. Um so yeah, I mean I basically then I went back to college for my last two months of college. Mm-hmm. And that was a really interesting two months for me because like it was I went back to college immediately after being like submerged in this like um, I think you know how it feels when you can't go back. You can't. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, you're surrounded by like children. Correct. It's, it's like what, what's going on? It's, this is weird. Yes. You're like, yeah. oh my god. Like the yeah. conversations that a lot of my friends were having. Yeah. Like I went out to the bar that weekend, yeah. and like people, are, you know, Susie's like talking about the yeah. hockey player that yeah. won't give bro, her a look. Yeah. And exactly. I'm like, bro, did you see what happened last week with, with Spencer said, man? And you're just like, dude, I got better things to. Right. Yeah, yeah I exactly. And I just, it was really yeah. hard for me because I, I really like, I couldn't relate with anyone at college anymore. Like all these kids were doing these, not internships, but like internships or like gearing up for like, and I was just like, in two months, you guys are graduating. Yeah. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, get it together, <laughs> man. Like you're talking about the hockey player that won't give you, that won't look at you. Like yeah. you have much more <laughs> important things to worry about. Yeah. Like, so, <laughs> you know, that was, that was kind That's of interesting. True. Um, and you know, it was also like, I had, um, I was, I was sort of depressed for like a week after that event because, well, I was depressed and I was happy, but you know, uh, you spent so much time, like months and months just focusing on this one day of the year, how it's going to go. And then it just happens. And when it's over, just like it's over. Did you miss it or no, it was was like, just like, you know, and this is going to be weird that I'm comparing myself to this or what, but you know that feeling they like postpartum when women like get have. I don't know that. No, no, you, you don't. I've know heard. Of, I've have heard you of heard of it? Yes, I've heard of it. Have you heard of postpartum when like women yes. have their baby? Yeah, and they're it's just like, like a they flood feel of like emotion, a flood of hormones, and yeah, it's they, hormones. They feel, right? Yeah, hormones. They feel like empty though because like they were carrying something for 
nine months and then it's just not there anymore. And like, they feel like something's missing. Um, I've, I've actually heard it on a lot of different podcasts, like mm. business owners who sell their businesses for like twenty, hundred million dollars, whatever. It's like the saddest days of their mm. lives because they're just like, I got nothing to do tomorrow. Yeah. Like I just sold my company. Like, so they got a hundred million in their pocket, but mm-hmm. like they have no purpose. Mm-hmm. So like, I, I sort of felt that a little bit and we actually now have coined it because a lot of it was, it wasn't just me. Like a lot of our staff got it and we coined it the Aquashella blues. We had like grown ass men with like, yeah. we're like supposed to be doing like uh, with power tools, like crying after the event. Cause they're like, I'm going to miss you all. Like this was so crazy and so much fun. And like, so yeah, it's just like, it's become a really big team effort. And, um, and, and yeah, when, when I got back to college and, and that check hit my bank account, it was after basically a whole year of working on it, um, that along with my YouTube channel finally clicking, mm-hmm. it was like everything had just like come together. And I was like, I just remember sitting in my dorm room and, and I, it was like kind of emotional cause yeah. it just was like, I just figured it out. Yeah. And this whole time I didn't know what I was going to do after school necessarily. And I, that was my dream. So how many do you host now? We actually this year have expanded our to our third one in Orlando. So in besides if you don't count the pandemic year, in two years we've grown to three, one in Chicago, one in Dallas, and one in Orlando. So the one in Orlando is coming up June twelfth and thirteenth, uh twenty twenty one. And it's it's gonna be crazy. And then Dallas, you're telling me is on Halloween? Yeah, this year we moved Dallas to be on Halloween and we're gonna call it Aquashelloween. And so it's it's crazy. Jack, it, we should it, go. I think it I want to. Dude, yeah. it's gonna be cool because I think we're gonna be able to pull, like incorporate elements of a haunted house into what is already very like has a bit of that that element yeah. to it. So I think we'll be able to pull like a really ridiculous Dude, crowd. You should get a clownfish as like the the orange oh, and the black and yeah. like something like that is or what's what is it, the uh, Achilles Tang? Yeah. Achilles Tang. It's, yeah. Well we I don't know if you've seen like some of the promotional like stuff have, we have, but not for the Halloween. We yeah. bought these massive inflatables for like to put outside the event spaces. Mm-hmm. So we bought this like thirty foot by thirty foot inflatable clownfish that just like sits outside the event. It's filled with air, and and it, yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of th- different things like that where my business partner has been like, "Are you sure you want to spend?" you know, that kind of money on something like that. I'm like, yes, like this is how you get people excited about an event, right? This is how you, uh, you, you you tell people like, and I think that also resonates with people. I mean, I think it's most of the time when, when you, when you see people putting a lot of effort into something, like you're way more willing to buy Mm -hmm. into it. So, yeah. You know what, uh, George reminds me of, uh, the Stradman of reef tanks. Dude, I actually see that. Yeah, you, I actually see that. Stradman, you're the Stradman of aquariums. Tell me about Stradman. Very, you don't know the Stradman? Uh, wow. Very positive. Very genuine. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The Stradman Happy. has one of the largest car channels. Mm-hmm. Okay. Out there, I'm but, not the biggest car guy, really. Okay. So I, that's why but, I really don't know. Them. But yeah, but but of the car niche. You have like Doug DeMiro, uh, you have another one, Daily Driven Exotics, and a few other ones. But but Stradman's like near the top. And for the Reef Aquarium, I feel like you got the you, you're the Stradman of the Reef Aquarium. St- watch the Stradman, you're gonna see the resemblance. You're very similar. Like, very the similar. The way that you talk and carry yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. It's it's a it's a compliment. Strad- Don't worry. It's a, it's a, it's yeah. a I hope the Stradman's a cool guy. Yeah, yes. he's extremely yeah, he likable. Yes. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, so can you walk us through the numbers right now of your business? Of uh, my YouTube business or my... Everything. Just, yeah, oh, everything you're comfortable discussing. They want the numbers. Yeah. Um, well, I mean... Start I, with YouTube. Let's start with YouTube. Yeah. I mean, it's nice because I've built this uh, foundation. My audience is is education-based, right? Mm-hmm. Like teaching people how to set up aquariums. So uh, because I've done like everything really... Um, because I took all, I always took the extra steps to like fact check everything I was saying and make sure like everything was the proper way to, to educate people. Um, a lot of aquarium brands really respect my channel, which isn't, that's not always common with, you know, animal pet channels. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, as far as sponsorships go, I've been able to like land some decent, like good, good long-term, uh, sponsorships, um, it's tough because like aquarium brands don't always, they're not going to like want to pay as much as like a big cor- like big corporate brand would, uh, because they just like, they're not used to working with influencers. Mm-hmm. Right. So sometimes you really got to like, I mean, that's, that's been, uh, also part of like what took me, I think so long to start generating more money for my channel, um, was just for them to like realize that versus mm-hmm. maybe some other bigger companies realize it quicker, but I mean, what do, what do you want to know? Uh, just like, could yeah. you just give us a can we, an can estimation? We see your analytics? Yeah, we could see your analytics or just like an estimation. Of, do you want to just see it? Yeah, yeah, I okay. want to see it. All right, you I'll tell me. It. Now right. it's crazy. Like aquariums, like it doesn't have the CPM you guys have, which I'm very jealous of because right, sometimes I feel like I am working very, very hard for like. Let's see these consistent views. That's really good. Oh man, look at that. Are you going to like my my yearly? Yeah, yeah. Consistent. Well, just well, the last twenty eight. It's almost, it's it's like same views every day. That's really good. Same subscribers every day. The, that's CPM. Yeah, it's just not as, it's it's not nowhere near mm. yours. It's like 25% a quarter. Yep. Yeah. Uh, you guys, I, you trust me, you do not know how good you have it because I think most of YouTube is, has my CPM. I'd say like 75% of YouTube is this, what I have. So you guys really are, I don't know if you like you, oh, you just you get gross not grossly overpaid but like you just get paid so much more so, for the same amount of work yeah. that I do well this is uh, this is interesting 30% of your audience is in the United States for us it's like 85% yeah now that so that yeah. went down my US base went down a little bit just because like when I went overseas for almost a year yeah doing different videos um Philippines that's why I your CPM is going to be a, a lot lower though yeah yeah, That's I why. mean, it, the CPM before I went and I did all these trips was wasn't too far off though. Did and I, I know aquarium other aquarium YouTubers have a very similar CPM to me that don't make in, like travel content. Yeah, but it's a uh, it's the audience demographics. So do they have like similar audience demographics? Yeah. No, I'm like saying 30% like percent USA. No, I'm saying like they're probably like eighty percent USA and they have the same CPM. Mm. Like it, it is the topic. Trust Got me, it. it is. I, I've like ju- triple checked with. All, pretty much every aquarium YouTuber. Okay. And I mean, my CPM is what they make as well. It's not just the international mm-hmm. thing. So, but in addition to that, then you also have sponsorships supplementing that. Yeah. So I have some sponsorships that I have on the yearly side. And again, like some of those, some of those I'll sacrifice on the dollar amount just because there's like a lot of good synergy with like yep. what, how, what they can do for me. Right. Like they can provide me with tanks or um, like, you know, tr- lots of travel costs or just like... Do you want to give a shout out? Uh, one of my biggest sponsors is Fritz Aquatics. And that's 
the company that my business partner for Aquashella, uh, that's the company he works for. Okay, so I got to say, you sent me the Fritz uh, Turbo Start. Yes. To start my tank. Amazing product. Insane. Insane. You sent me an entire gallon that was shipped in like this temperature-controlled box yes. to keep it cool. And I dumped in this bacteria that like turbo starts the tank as a cycle. Like it's it's the bacteria that you'll normally wait weeks to generate that you could start almost within like a few days. They claim that yeah. you can put fish in there the same day as turbo start. They claim that because the um, the bacteria they culture in their facility in Dallas is like, and they ship it refrigerated overnight. It's like yeah. so dense and it's just like so concentrated cloud. I, I put this yeah. in the tank is it's just clouded the tank for temporarily obviously yeah. it's all bacteria but it, it's their most popular yeah. product and um and it's it, it's like a very easy product for me to promote as well because like everyone when they're setting up tanks like needs turbo start you can yep. even throw a turbo start in your existing tank just to like add the bacteria levels uh, to like bring them up yep. which is what you can't you can never overdose it either so um but like fritz aquatics is is my longest one um, and the way I met Sean, who is the business partner for Aquashella, he, um, it's so funny. So he was a sponsor for like a different aquarium convention. I remember he was like attending it with, as, with like, as a sponsor mm-hmm. with a booth vendor booth. And the, that show asked me to interview him since he was a platinum sponsor and I was the one doing the marketing. So like, we still have this video, which is crazy to watch now, like four, I think four years ago, like us just sitting on some like Fritz salt buckets, like just talking. I never, you know, we both didn't realize at the time that would turn into Mm. a friendship that would then also later turn into now the biggest aquarium event in North America, which is Aquashella. So I got to try the salt too. Dude, the salt is amazing. Reef crystals. Yeah. It's a big up. Yeah. It's okay. It's a big upgrade from reef crystals. Reef crystals just is, uh, you know, a lot of the salts are very similar, but the bigger difference with Fritz, salt is like it'll mix clear like yeah. really quickly and there's no residue in yeah. the container um it's like very uh it's like almost like a powder okay so yeah and i've used their salt in my tanks for for years and they've been able to grow their company what's so interesting is now everyone wants to like now every manufacturer i think really wants to do marketing and advertising with me fritz aquatics got in like from the very start because i don't know what he, i mean sean saw something in me as like a a young college kid when my channel was at like 10,000 subscribers and he was willing to invest and, um, and, um, it, you know, so I'm, I'm very thankful and I'm very loyal to that brand for that reason. Of course, yeah. We've, we've grown together. It's like, uh, it's sort of like David Dobrik and SeatGeek. Like my brand, like with Fritz is just they're synonymous. Cool. So yeah, it's one of my favorite, that's cool. my favorite sponsor. So you have the YouTube ad revenue. Yeah. I got my YouTube sponsorships. Mm-hmm. Aquashala. Aquashella. It's taken place once a year? Three times a year. Th- three times a year. Three times a year. Yeah. How, how would you divide it? If you had like a pie, yeah. what, what percentages would you allocate to different income sources? I'd say like 50% of my revenue is YouTube. A third of my revenue is uh, Aquashella. And the rest is like merch, sponsorships, like in like miscellaneous. Cool. You were telling me too that you're diversifying into real estate. Yeah, so that's that's what I've been doing with all the money that I'm making from YouTube, Aquashella. I've just really I I've been putting it almost exclusively into real estate. Why real estate? Uh, well, my dad is um he's a real estate investor and he's also just a serial entrepreneur. So he's been in 
so many different like businesses in his life. Um, I should, I should just say he's a investor because he doesn't only invest in real estate. I guess he'll invest in, um, kind of like you, you remind me a lot of him when you're mm. talking about like, Oh, I bought this car. Cause like, it was such a good, <laughs> a, deal. A good deal. That's exactly how my yeah. dad is. Like my dad has bought some, just the most random things and gotten into some very interesting business ventures just because they were like very good entry deals. Right. Like he could, he, he stole them essentially. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, we're, we were raised sort of with like a, we were to have with that entrepreneur spirit, but also I think like with a little bit of like a mercenary mentality, like our dad always pushed us like to make money. Like, you know, he, he's an immigrant from Greece. He came from nothing. And I mean, that was obviously very inspiring for all my brothers and I to, to see, you know, for him to go, if you see like the village that he's from in Greece and the fact that he was like walking around at 10 years old there with like no shoes, like, I don't even think he, he has a story that he didn't try a banana until he was like 15 or something like it's, and then for him to come to the America and, and live the American dream, you know, he's, he's uh, put a lot of that into us. And mm. so, you know, we, we were born to, you know, raise with this idea, like, you know, America is an amazing place with so much opportunity. Go, go get it, you know, like take advantage of it. And it's yep. also something I've been able to realize just traveling to as many countries as I've been to. Cause like I got, I think now I'm at 25, 25 different countries. And mm. um, yeah, when, when you really, when you, go out there and you see different parts of the world, you'll come back to realize just how, how much opportunity there is here. And there's a lot of people that say the American dream is dead. I mean, it's not what it was maybe for immigrants like 20, 30 years ago, right? With like the doors wide open to certain industries, but like still America, so much more opportunity than mm. ma the majority of other countries. How were you able to manage real estate doing all that at the same time? You own rental properties, flips, um, it's actually, it's, it's all commercial real estate. So, um, I mean, my younger brother is actually, is he, he's, he's where, here. Where is he? My younger brother? Your younger brother's here? I do have a younger brother and his name is Yanni. I heard a rumor that if you say Yanni three times in a row, he shows up. Let's try it. Ready? Yanni, Yanni, Yanni. 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 Whoa. Yanni. Hey. hey guys. Welcome. What's going on? This is my oh, younger brother, Yanni. This is my younger brother, Yanni. Jeez. He, hey. Uh, hey. He's two years younger than me. But, uh, he has a robe. He's like, you're my, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah so what kind of robe is that? It looks like Versace. It looks like Versace. It's not as expensive because of the amount of money I lost at a casino this weekend. But yeah, uh, <laughs> turned out it's my last friend's 21st birthday. So I came to Vegas and it's good timing because I got a real estate guru right here. Cool. And that's what I, we're getting into. I want to hear about the real estate between you. So what have you bought? So the niche that we found is industrial properties. And basically what we do is tour a lot of them and make really low offers. So we make um, really good deals happen somewhere where we can find a single tenant or an industrial property. So like auto repair shops, car washes, garages. And they're really just low maintenance properties. So it's perfect for him and it's perfect really for for anyone for yeah. anyone it's not like it's exclusive to anyone but um one of the reasons we like these like commercial the that niche that yanni just said is like he said they're very low maintenance mm -hmm. so what we found is that uh if you buy like a commercial piece of real estate 
with an elevator, you are like, you are going to constantly be getting phone calls about the elevator not working or like the air conditioning units are like not working. Like there's, as you know, there's a lot of different problems that can come up with real estate. Uh, like, and if you, you can't, you can't predict them. And sometimes they are, can even be very expensive fixes. Right. So we realize that like garages are the type, like it's an interesting property type because the people who are using garages are mechanics, they're handymen. So if their air conditioning unit goes out or anything isn't working, they don't call you. They'll just fix it themselves. And so it's like the, one of the lowest, I think it may be the lowest maintenance type of real estate to buy. And that's why we were so attracted to it. But yeah, um, like George was talking about earlier, our dad has, um, he's like involved in almost every business you could possibly imagine. And through 40 years of doing real estate, he's just got so many headaches from so many different things. So finding this, um, this niche where you really don't even see your tenant for a year or two after you sign a lease, it's just worked out perfect for him because he can put the money in and not really have to, to manage the properties, which is also some, um, we have a, there's another, um, niche that we're looking forward to. It's like foreclosure properties where I think a lot of people want to look for like flips, but, uh, something we're thinking about doing, which we can't because of COVID right now. And the, uh, the courts are closed. We can't get eviction notices to get people out because we want to run them out for section eight housing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how many properties do you have now? I have three. So I have three garages. Hmm. Uh, I have five garages. Five five. garage. How much? How much are you guys making from this? Uh, each garage is about. I think we net about. So they're net leases, and the um, tenant usually pays five thousand rent. Is what we look for. And then what's your take home after that? After, uh, well, I guess you're not paying taxes or anything on that. But do you do you have to pay insurance? No. So actually, the you pay the, insurance. Well, they pay the rent and the property taxes. Right. It's just triple net. Yeah. yeah. So we basically, I mean, it's about net five thousand per property a month. To to you, no, but no, you, no, you but have mortgage. Like mortgage like, got to be a mortgage. Yeah. I mean, yeah, between we, we put about twenty five percent down. So what's the cash flow like on these? Oh, it's it's very good. You're looking at each year, like sometimes like twenty to thirty percent potentially. It's it's like okay, unbelievable. Okay, so so on five, you're walking away with about twenty two hundred dollars a month net to you um, in your pocket. I'd say it's closer to like. It, three, I'd say it's close to like yeah. three grand a month per yeah. property. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So three times $9,000 a month from rent in these properties net mm-hmm. 25%. So I'd down. say like, so it's a great return because each property, I think mine, mine, the average cost of mine is about between like 175 to like two, like 300, between like 150 and $300,000 is like the average property cost. And then you take home about 60, 60,000 a year. So that's really high ROI. What areas? Well, so we're doing it in Chicago, but these properties yeah. exist everywhere, which is really a cool. Wait, thing. how is that? Wait, wait, wait. So let's say three hundred grand. It's renting at five thousand dollars a month, triple net. So five. What is it? Sixty. So you're getting a thirty-three percent yeah. ROI. You have to understand. Yeah, yeah. So you have to understand though how hard we work for these properties. So there's a lot of people that will go out and they'll buy like. Um, they'll they'll buy like a lot well they'll be very aggressive right on like a really nice looking piece of real estate 
or something that looks really good, there's always a ton of uh, buyers, even right now with the housing market, like people are uh, like not overpaying, but giving like 10%, 20% over asking price, right? So it's the same idea with like most real estate. However, what we do is like we play the waiting game. And so what we'll do is like we'll put in an offer, which is like very, very low, sometimes so low that they'll badmouth us. So get on the phone and just say, you know, piss Mm -hmm. off. Right. But then we'll just kind of hang around. We'll stick around. And like six months later, we'll be like, hey, what do you think about our offer still? And they will sometimes still tell us to piss off. Mm-hmm. Up until like, and it can go for like sometimes like twelve months, like up to like what's some some of the longest ones? Like the thing is, there are so many of these industrial single tenant properties. I mean, if you take your car and you drive around Chicago, every single corner is going to have one. Every corner, yeah. So every week we're setting up meetings to go see. I mean, he's not doing it so much, but I'm setting up meetings to go see these properties, and after a day, I'll get a list of the equipments, and then I'll submit an offer. And whatever the asking price is, I do fifty percent. So Jeez. if it's if they're asking five hundred thousand, they just got to the double their price. <laughs> they got to double their price, then all of a sudden you'll offer the, <laughs> yeah, for them asking. Instead yeah. of five hundred, I want a mill. Be like, all right, five hundred. So I mean, it's it's a waiting game. Uh, what, yeah. what ends up happening is like because Yanni's going out and making so many like not so many offers, but just like making a decent amount of these offers on a. Basically, um, you know, m- most real estate or people will say, like, how do you ever buy real estate then? Because no one will actually accept that offer. But like once in a blue moon, not even a blue moon, like just every once in a while, like 12 months, like you find like a really motive. That's the key. That's the key is you have to find a very motivated uh, seller, right? Someone who is like, in, you know, wants the cash right away. Um, like, I don't know, maybe like their spouse who owned the the building like died and like they don't know what to do with it. They don't even know how to manage it. They just, they don't even, so they just want to get rid of it, liquidate it. So you have to find a very motivated seller. Um, And, you know, but, and sometimes that, and that typically happens after 12 months of them not getting their asking price. Right. So, and then sometimes they'll, I mean, they'll accept it. And so they'll jump and you jump at it. But what happens if you put in enough of these offers, like your offer, it's like, the deals that you're making are on offers that you started sometimes up to a year ago. So you, you know, it kind of takes some time, right? Yeah. But eventually once you are doing it long enough, like you just start getting, you know, they time catches up, right? Yeah. And the risk here is that if you get a, a tenant, someone moves out, finding a replacement tenant for, yeah, could be, could be difficult. Yeah. Isn't always actually a problem because for a lot of these properties, it's their owner users. So you find the motivated sellers from the sellers when they're retiring from using the shop. So they, they're, they're looking to get out of the business. And additionally, they leave all the equipment behind. Mm. Yeah. So it's not so hard. Like we've gone some prop, some of these properties where there's no one, uh, we need to find a tenant with all the equipments inside. So, for two of them, I just picked up the phone and like, I'm, we're aggressive. We we're like, we're, we take an aggressive stance on everything we do. So I'll just call around every surrounding neighborhood, every area, and I'll talk or I'll ask to speak to the owner or manager and I'll say, hey, we have another turnkey operation business. We're just investors looking for a tenant. Um, all the equipment's inside. We need a uh, security deposit and 
first month's rent and you can get going right away. Mm. Good business. Yeah. Is it very keep, good business? Keep doing that. What do you What do you about to say, Jack? You about to say something? Nothing. That's just that's nuts. Thirty yeah. percent. That's just Jack. That's what you should be doing. Do that. What you're going to encourage me to do that? Listen, thirty percent. That's shocking. Thirty percent. Yeah, that's time away from that's, work, Graham. That's shocking. Not not if it's triple net. That's true. True. Um. So I heard we were kind of chatting before filming this podcast because he wasn't wearing socks. Okay. <laughs> And it's kind of an issue because if our guest isn't wearing socks or if one of us isn't wearing socks, including you, Graham. Socks. Yeah, but your socks last episode, they had a, they had a hole in them. Did a they, big hole. Did they really? And we got some comments. Because your, your feet were poking through. <laughs> yeah, we got comments about your feet. Uh, so I, I, I like how Brooks just starts recording as soon as we're talking about my feet. <laughs> so I, uh, I let you borrow right. my socks so you could cover up your feet, right? And, uh, you know, I said we get a lot of comments about the feet on this podcast, so everyone usually wears socks. And then you said that you you've sold. Well, so- I mean, if you're getting, you guys were speaking about people messaging you to buy your the pictures of your feet. On I didn't Instagram. say no. No, <laughs> someone was saying it. George was saying. This, George was. This is what happened. So I sat down on this couch, right? And I I didn't come here with socks on because I'm enjoying the heat in Vegas. I'm from Chicago, so. Um, I, then as soon as I asked, well, are my feet going to be in the shot? And they said, yeah. And I said, oh, no, no way am I doing this podcast with no socks on. At least that. not for free, right? No, at least not you for free. To pay me. And how much <laughs> did you want? You said, Jack, you have to pay me if you want to see my feet. Yeah. No, and Jack I, just said, how much? Yeah. You'd have to pay me a lot. Actually, I feel like you could easily get Yanni to do that for... Look, man, I'll use it as my down payment. <laughs> Yanni's an entrepreneur. Whatever yeah. it takes, Yanni yeah. is yeah. a price opportunist. Wait, so so people have actually asked they they've asked for feet pictures from you for I mean, money. They, haven't they asked you guys? No, some guy wanted to buy my shoes, and I serious. I I think I think I'm going to be doing it. But the only the only thing is that we got to get the offer higher because he offered a price where it's like it's the cost of the shoe. Oh, so it's yeah, like no, no. I'm not going to send him shoes worth the no, price. No, it was he's more. Wasn't it like four hundred bucks? No. It was less. It was under that. We're not gonna. We're not gonna give the exact price because we don't want to lowball ourselves right, here. Right. Right. But it was a price. It was like that's the cost of the shoe. At a certain price it, on a pair of shoes, I don't like. Uh, have maybe haven't worn a little bit. I'm gonna. I'll send them off. There's a price for everything. So yeah. so what? What thought, was your experience the, with the? By the way, I'm trying to sell my bath water. It's on GrandStephanStore.com. $5,000. No one has got it yet. We should no, it's will. a gallon, too. It's we, not yeah, just a cup. It's one gallon. Think of shipping on that. I have yeah. an idea. How much are you asking? I could flip it. $5,000. <laughs> why, why don't we use that for an aquarium? What? Graham's bath, bath water in an aquarium? Yeah. Would it be safe for a human just to dip in a, an aquarium? Uh, That's what you're wearing. You don't want to wear like sunscreens and stuff like that. Well, uh, yeah. It's inside. Why would you wear sunscreen? It's inside. If you if you're outside with sunscreen, well, the chemicals, like, yeah, the chemicals yeah. in the aquarium. But I mean, I just I don't know. I thought it was just common. I, it was funny because when we got, you know, I, I thought it was common. Like everyone, every influencer gets like asked for feet pictures. So you you've gotten asked. Did you sell your feet pictures or? I um, like, I did okay not. I did not. Although it is very very tempting sometimes. Yeah. Do you know because what their like, price was? I feel like offer you got? I feel like it wouldn't. Uh, highest offer was like two. I don't know, like a few hundred bucks. Maybe. Wow, dude, come on! It's what like, if, what, that's no, a, that's don't thing. what if your that's face thing. isn't in it though? What if it's just like that's what I'm saying? Is like yeah. it, it's it's so to me at least it's innocent. Like, a how are people going to know they're my feet? Right. And then B like whatever. If people like are into feet, like I don't care. You can be into whatever you want. Like three hundred bucks for like some photos that really do 
take, take me, you a minute. It take me like even less than a minute. It take me ten seconds. And I mean, you probably want to do it up a little bit. It's tempting, know. but I I knew immediately what you were referring to when you're like, oh no, George, like you better get some socks. Yeah, on. I was like, get, bring me some socks. I don't want the feet people. The feet people. <laughs> I don't want. I don't want them. I want them to. They better. I don't know. I'd rather than focus yeah. on the conversation. Sure, you yeah. I'm sure my feet are. You're saying you're about to get a yeah, lot. Yeah, of man, that's a request. That's a strong we, community. Listen, yeah, yeah. This, for the feet people out there, we should be getting a percentage of this because this right now is free promotion. So if you sell if you sell any feet pictures from this, we'll link we it want, down below. We want ten percent. Yeah, ten percent of ten percent, ten percent of gross. That's too much. Driving traffic. You could set up an Instagram. You know, <laughs> for George's feet. feet, and then a Patreon. <laughs> that's just Patreon. too much. Only fans. Yeah, and OnlyFans for feet. Uh, mm. We just want ten percent, whatever, whatever business you decided to do. Dude, with your I'm, feet. I'm, we're getting thirty percent, Graham. I don't. What do you mean? You're, we're getting thirty percent. We don't want. Wait, we're giving you the traffic. We'll take thirty percent. No, no. Wait, was it? I said we're getting thirty percent on real estate. We don't want. Oh, we no. didn't do that. I thought you said yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting thirty percent of feet pictures. Yeah, we get ninety percent of the feet. Nah. <laughs> That's true. That's too, a good answer. Too little time in my day, honestly. To take a picture of the, your feet, um, Jack will do it for free. Graham, would you sell photos of your feet? What? What for is the, for what, the right price? I would. What? What is that price? Ah, oh, jeez. Uh, I mean, honestly, a thousand dollars. A thousand dollars, dude. A lot or a little? Yeah, that's a lot of money. A thousand dollars, dude. So, uh, literally, someone says, "Jack, I want to see my feet." Yeah, Dude, I see your feet all the time, bro. I see them all the time. You must have some pretty nice feet. You don't have a picture. They're all right. You don't have a a picture where you could look at it all the time. Dude, I could get one when you're not looking. (laughs) It would be so easy. Dude, I would sell a picture of my foot for 20 bucks. Like, literally, (laughs) it takes me 10 seconds. Why does it matter? It's not weird. For me, $1,000 is a price where if it ever got out that I had sold pictures of my feet, no one could ever look at that and be like, I wouldn't have done. I wouldn't uh, dude, have people done that. would pat me on the everyone. back. They would applaud yeah, me for being everyone entrepreneurial. Would understand. I have a better $1, idea. Guys, I just set up an email. GrahamStephanFeet at gmail.com. Okay, okay so we got GrahamStephanFeet at gmail.com. $1,000 and I will send inquiries, you a picture of my feet. Even if it's you know someone that's just associated with us, yeah. Andre. Oh, if you, you know want pictures do? of feet of you know Andre, to, let us know in your price. To prove it's my feet is they could have me write something on my foot that only they would know. So, so they, it's like a time stamp. Initial blank. I have no. Your face would need to be in it. You're Nine gonna. Miles. We're gonna yeah. come out with the Graham Stephan foot NFT. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, that's yeah, okay. what we're doing. All right, all right. If 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 I sell ten pictures of my feet, I'll reinvest that money back into creating some sort of NFT. One of for one. your feet. One <laughs> of one of my left foot. I want to save the right one in case I need it. But one Is there of a one better one. Do you have a better one. foot? What? Do you have a better foot? No, they're the same thing, but it's like I'll keep one foot to myself. What kind of toes do you have? You know what? how people people have like different types of toes. Like, oh the, yeah, the middle one will it, be out it, more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you don't want to spoil the secret, man. You yeah, don't want actually. Let's not you know, spoil the secret. Yeah, okay. I was gonna say the... something that would reveal the type of foot I have, but yeah. I just didn't want to spoil the secret. Did you actually create the email? Yeah. Graham Stuff and Feet at Gmail yeah. We created yeah, the we email. Created the email. We we actually did create the email. Yeah. I'd be surprised, but I just just making it clear: money has to be paid up front. Don't worry. I mean, it's not like we're not gonna we're, yeah. we're not gonna you know go back on our work, but but it'll have to be sent up front before I send anything. So I think that's fair. Yeah, or me or Alex. Yeah, Jack's only twenty bucks. So well, we'll see. Grab seven feet. We'll get that's we'll get good, Jack. See, that's enough to go get a nice meal. And if I can pay for a meal in fifteen seconds, Jack by in the box. A photo, <laughs> okay. <laughs> 
Okay, yeah. deal. <laughs> All, right. All right, cool. So with that said, you guys, thank you so much for watching. I really appreciate it. We'll link to all of your information down below in the description where you can also get feed pictures. Make sure to also destroy the like button, subscribe button, and notification bell. And also, you can get a free stock worth all the way up to 70 Dollars when you sign up for public using the link in the description, code GRAM, $70, and you'll have a chance to win a completely free stock of Tesla. So you may as well do that. It's pretty much like free money. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Thank, Thank you guys you. so much for watching, and until next time. <laughs> <laughs> See, now you're loosened up. Now, now you're going to kill it. You're good. Uh, all right.